We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 507 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. It is Valentine's Day, 2023. A happy Valentine's Day to those who celebrate. And rest in peace, Ted Lerner. Uh, we on Monday morning learned that Nationals founding principal owner Ted Lerner had died. He was 97. Ted Lerner was born on October 15th, 1925. He, while growing up, became an usher at Griffith Stadium for the Washington Senators. He became immensely successful in real estate. Uh, The Lerner Group's purchase of the Nats was finalized on July 24th, 2006. And Ted was the managing principal owner until June 2018 when his son, Mark, took over. Now, the Nats on Monday were tweeting out that the learners brought baseball back to Washington, D.C. I'm not sure what that claim is about. The Montreal Expos moving to D.C. happened in 2004, the team's first season in D.C., was the 2005 season, and the learners did not buy the Nats until 2006. So I don't get where this idea that Ted Lerner brought baseball back to D.C. is coming from, but Ted Lerner deserves a lot of credit for his ownership of the Nats. And yes, there were nits to pick, but uh, Ted Lerner spending hundreds of millions of dollars on players for the Nats. Uh, Ted Lerner's success in real estate, Ted Lerner's uh, charitable work. He deserves credit for all of those things. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Much more on the legacy of Ted Lerner and on the stalled sale of the Nats. Coming up shortly with Tom Lavero, columnist for the Washington Times, a man who knows the inner workings of the Nats quite well. Tom also is going to discuss the Orioles' ownership mess, including key intel that Tom has on the O's being sold, because Tom also knows the inner workings of the O's quite well. And Tom is going to talk a whole lot about the sale of the Commanders. Is this sale actually happening? 
Why exactly is the sale happening? What is the sale going to mean? Could Ron Rivera be fired as commander's head coach, even if the sale doesn't happen until late March or April? All of that and more with my buddy, my pal, Tom Lavero is coming up. Uh, also on the show, next segment, in fact, multiple developments in the commander's offensive coordinator search. It turns out that Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy isn't the only additional candidate on the commander's radar. Former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman reportedly now is a candidate. Uh, we thought that this might be the case. This now, in fact, is the case. And Roman, according to ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler, is interviewing with the commanders on Tuesday. Is Greg Roman the fallback plan, the safety school, if Eric Bieniemy does not happen? Uh, and I'll talk Wizards. Uh, they late night on Monday night were up by 15 points at the Golden State Warriors, but the Wizards lost uh, a 135-126 loss. Uh, three of the Wizards' last four losses now have featured big-time blown leads. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Philip C., the PhD, on something from Super Bowl 57. Writes, Phil, the field was a disgrace. Thank you for the email, Phil. Uh, yes, that field was a disgrace, a total embarrassment. Who knew that the players on the Kansas City Chiefs and Philadelphia Eagles were uh, going to be playing slip and slide with that shoddy field? Doesn't it feel good, by the way, to be able to rip a stadium other than FedEx Field for its playing surface? I mean, no palace is FedEx Field, okay? But the playing field at FedEx Field does appear to have gotten better in recent years. And so now we can at least take some shots at the playing field at uh, State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. Email from Jerry on the sale of the Commanders, writes Jerry, I really enjoy listening to a podcast being broadcasted by a fellow alum of Georgetown Prep and Maryland. Your podcast makes my commute to work so much better. Uh, in one of your episodes, I wish I could recall the number, you expressed a sheer joy about the news confirming that Dan Snyder is selling majority ownership of the Commanders franchise. While I understand why all Redskins slash Commanders fans should be truly excited about this, and I truly am, I have some reservations about him staying on as a minority owner. To me, this is like getting a divorce from your wife, but still living in the basement while another guy moves in with her. Can the organization truly move on if Dan is still connected with the franchise in any capacity. What if part of the sale means that he maintains rights to FedEx Field and the land around the stadium? What exactly does being a minority owner mean? In a perfect world, the sale of the franchise would be Snyder-less so the organization can truly escape the curse of Danny Boy. The thought of him lurking in the basement scares me. Hopefully, you can reassure us all that we have nothing to worry about. Thanks for doing a great show. Well, thank you very much for that, Jerry. Uh, yeah, so what Jerry was referring to was me on episode 488 discussing sports business insider A.J. Perez of Front Office Sports on January 17th reporting that those who submitted bids for the initial bidding for the commanders having been told that Dan Snyder planned to sell enough of the team to clear the way for a new controlling owner. Uh, I suppose that that could mean that Dan stays on as a minority owner. And the thing with Dan, of course, is that you just never know. So you can't entirely dismiss any scenario. But I would be very surprised 
if what ends up happening is Dan sells majority ownership of the team but maintain some form of minority ownership. I think that the idea with that report was that the bidders were told, hey, what you're bidding on is the team and not say some minority portion of the team. There's no way that any ownership group would want Dan to stay on as a minority owner. And so if you are an ownership group, you're not going to agree to pay five, six, seven billion dollars for the team only to find out, yeah, but you know, Dan's going to stay on in some capacity. Like, no, it's very hard to see any ownership group agreeing to terms by which the Danny stays on as a minority owner. And think about this. Dan Snyder seemingly has checked out. He apparently stopped going to Commander's Games as the 2022 season went on, including not attending the retirement of Sonny Jurgensen's number nine at the team season finale, what was, remember, a Commander's Dallas Cowboys game, a 26-6 route of them boys at FedEx Field on January 8th. And understand, Dan not being at that game was a big deal, not just because, of course, it was Commander's Cowboys, to whatever extent, you know, that means anything anymore. But Sonny Jurgensen is arguably not just the best quarterback in team history, but also the biggest star in team history. Danny loves his stars. Danny was a big sunny guy. Uh, Maybe still is a big sunny guy. So Danny not being there for the retirement of Sonny's number nine was a big deal. Then we had something like the Bobby Beathard statement. The commanders on February 1st putting out a statement about former Skins general manager Bobby Beathard off his passing. The statement was not attributed to Dan and Tanya Snyder. Usually a statement such as this one has been attributed to the co-owners and co-CEOs, Dan and Tanya Snyder. This statement was not attributed to anyone. So we in recent weeks have had some little things that to me actually are big things in terms of indications that, yeah, Dan is getting out. Well, what you can get out of this podcast is growth. For your business or practice, consider advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable, much more so than radio and television advertising, and podcast advertising works. Make more money. Email us. See what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Before we get to our guest, Tom Lavero, columnist for the Washington Times, we have news in the commander's offensive coordinator search. Uh, understand that this now is a search that is more than a month old. Uh, head coach Ron Rivera fired offensive coordinator Scott Turner on January 8th. Uh, that was almost five weeks ago now, but it appears as if the search finally is winding down. We on Monday had multiple reports that the commanders are in fact working on setting up an interview with Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, but that scheduling that interview is a bit complex uh, due to the Chiefs having their Super Bowl championship parade and rally on Wednesday. So the commanders interview of Bieniemy likely won't happen until later this week. Meantime, former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman He finally has emerged as a candidate for the commander's offensive coordinator job. Uh, Multiple reports on Monday that the commanders are working on interviewing Roman and ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler on Monday afternoon reported that the commanders will be interviewing Roman on Tuesday. I was wondering why the commanders had not interviewed Greg Roman. Look, if the commanders really are wanting 
to have this running game oriented offense, then they absolutely should consider hiring Greg Roman as offensive coordinator. Roman may be the single best running game schemer upper in the NFL, and he has done some really good work with run threat quarterbacks, so he could be very good for Sam Howell if Sam, in fact, ends up being the commander's starting quarterback for the 2023 season. Probably the biggest concern with Roman is that his offenses haven't exactly been pass heavy, uh, but they have been largely pass efficient. If you look at Greg Roman's passing offenses per Football Outsiders DVOA metric, those passing offenses actually rate pretty well. Uh, I know that another big concern with Roman <laughs> is that he like brutalizes his receivers because he has them blocking so much. Well, I would just say this to that. Show me when Roman has had a receiving core as gifted as what he would have with the commanders in Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Curtis Samuel. I mean, I don't think that Roman is some buffoon who would come here and try to turn Terry McLaurin into a blocking receiver, into James Thrash, okay? Uh, like, I would like to think that Roman might call and scheme things a little differently with the commanders given their talent at receiver. I'm actually open to the commanders hiring Greg Roman as offensive coordinator, again, given that Ron Rivera wants this running game oriented offense. My first choice, though, would be Eric Bieniemy because over his five seasons as Chiefs offensive coordinator, 2018 through 2022, there has been no offense in football that has been better. And yes, I know that Bieniemy has not been calling offensive plays for the Chiefs head coach. Andy Reid has been doing that. And yes, I know that Bieniemy has benefited greatly from Patrick Mahomes being the Chiefs starting quarterback. But it's not like Bieniemy has played no role in the Chiefs offensive success. I would encourage you to check out our deep dive on Bieniemy with NFL insider Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. Uh, that was on episode 497 of the podcast. Oh, by the way, how about this from NFL insider Albert Breer of the MMQB in his column that came out on Monday afternoon. Quote, so what becomes of Eric Bieniemy? I'd say there's a good shot he'll land in Washington with Ron Rivera, which would set him up either to save the commanders or go down with the ship. The looming ownership change has a lot of people worried for their jobs in D.C., end quote. Uh, yeah, no doubt about that. And I'm going to get to that and a lot more on The Commanders with Tom Lavero up next. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, the 2022 NFL season ended with Super Bowl 57 on Sunday night. Of course, the Commanders 2022 season has been over for a while, but now that the entirety of the 2022 NFL season is over, the offseason truly gets going, and there ain't no team that makes news in NFL offseasons quite like our team, and there ain't no news with our team this offseason that's expected to be bigger than the sale of the team. Are the days of Dan Snyder as a co-owner and co-CEO of the team actually finally ending? Joining me now to talk about this and a lot more is the great Tom Lavero, a man with whom I worked at the Team 980 for years. He is a columnist for the Washington Times. Many of you hear him all of the time on the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. You can follow Tom on Twitter at Tom Lavero with Tom spelled T-H-O-M. And Tom's also going to talk to us about the Nationals and Orioles' ownership uncertainties. A lot of ownership uncertainty in the Washington, D.C., Baltimore area these days, as well as the death of Nats founding principal owner, Ted Lerner. Tommy, how are you? Great to be on, Galdi. I feel honored that you would have me on today. Well, I'm honored that you agreed to come on. You know, this is the first time that we've spoken since the Commanders got put up for sale. Uh, Will you still be able to make use of the great nickname Skipper Dan for Dan Snyder if slash when the Commanders are sold? Or are you going to have to retire Skipper Dan? You know, let me talk about about in this seriously for a minute. I have not written about this organization as a serious, legitimate business and football team probably since the Mike Shanahan era. Wow. I really have not. I mean, I always talk about the Surgeon General's warning where we've talked about this, where we can discuss the team and football, but everyone needs to remember, as long as Dan Snyder owns the team, nothing is going to change. Nothing, everything will remain the same. doesn't matter who the coach is. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And I'll have to get out of that. With a new owner. I mean, I will literally have to change the way I cover the team. I'll have to start covering them as a legitimate uh, sports franchise with legitimate possibilities. So, yeah, it'll be a transition. But one I think I'm up for. It's funny that you say that because something that I always come back to in my own mind is, okay, my wife is from Pittsburgh. When we started dating in 2009, I remember being in Pittsburgh and listening to sports talk radio there and saying to myself, wow, there's none of the snark. There's none of the sarcasm with Steelers talk like there is with Redskins talk. And that has stuck with me because you're right. The way that we have had to discuss the Skins slash Washington football team slash commanders, that way isn't normal. (laughs) You know, that way is abnormal. But of course, the abnormal has become normal. Yeah. And in Pittsburgh, 
and let's face it, in Pittsburgh, if you made a list of the things they're most proud of, I bet you the Steelers are number one. Yeah, it might be. You know, in, in Washington, if you made that list, well, <laughs> you know, the, the commanders aren't even on that list. No, I mean, people won't even say so, commanders. People are, they, they hate the name so much, they won't even say the name commanders, which is still really funny to me. I know. And believe me, it's hard to write sometimes as well when you're <laughs> trying to actually talk about the Redskins. Yeah. But you need to say commanders. It's a bit confusing. I look forward to the day where I can cover this organization as, as a legitimate uh, sports franchise. I'm with you, man. Where are you on the sale of the Commanders? Do you believe that this is happening, or do you have your doubts? Oh, I think it's going to happen. Whether or not it's going to happen as quickly as we would like by the, the uh, March owners' meetings, so uh, a new owner can come in and clean house quickly, that may not be the case. The value of the franchise may not be what Skipper Dan wants it to be, but I think once you've walked down this path, I think with NFL owners in particular, with let's not forget so many swords hanging over Skipper Dan's head as we still speak, including the NFL's investigation by Mary Jo White into the allegations of sexual misconduct by Snyder, I think it's inevitable the team will be sold. It may require some some negotiations. It may require the NFL it themselves sweetening the pot if the money isn't good enough for, for Snyder to sell the team, to make him go away, and that may take some time. Here's another complication that, that I thought of recently that people haven't talked about. What about competition for NFL franchises in the market? Jim Irsay may be crazy, okay, but he was the one who alerted us initially that this this sale really could happen that the that the owners are are ready to to show Snyder the door so as crazy as he is he was he was right about that because everything that's happened since validates what he said well he said in an interview about a year ago that the Seattle Seahawks are going to be up for sale at some point very soon i mean paul allen uh, passed away their owner a few years ago they've been in a trust and Ursay thinks they're going to be put up for sale this year or maybe next year at the latest. That's a very attractive franchise for anyone right now, especially a guy that everyone thinks might be the front runner in Washington, Jeff Bezos. I mean, Amazon, the Pacific Northwest, is where, like so many of these other geeks, he, he built his franchise. The Seahawks are unlike Washington, which has to build up his fan base again. The Seahawks are known as the 12th man. I mean, they, they have a, a stadium in place and a fan base in place that the owner can take the key, open up the owner's box, sit in his chair, and watch what happens. In Washington, whoever owns this team is going to have to roll up their sleeves <laughs> and build a franchise again. And even with a new owner, the path to a stadium is not going to be easy. Interesting what you say about the Seattle Seahawks. I had a guy who has been covering the sale of the Commanders, business journalist Josh Kosman of the New York Post uh, on the podcast a few weeks ago, episode 492. And he said that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos wants to buy the Seahawks or the Commanders. And it may well be 
that he wants the Seahawks more than he wants the Commanders. So you do not see Jeff Bezos as like the obvious slam dunk person to buy the Commanders. You see the situation as more complex than that. Yes, I do. I think I think it definitely could be more complex than that. Yeah. A- a- absolutely. Look, I mean, this fr- sale of a franchise under normal conditions is a complicated situation, but there's nothing normal when it comes to Skipper Dan. You know, I mean, he's going to make it difficult. But again, the NFL has the power of the Mary Jo White investigation. Plus, let's not forget, which has nothing to do with the sale. It's in Snyder's best interest to to become as invisible as possible because there are, in addition to the district lawsuit that's still, you know, that is that has been filed against him on two issues by the former district attorney in uh, Washington on sexual harassment and also financial irregularities. The Virginia attorney general is still conducting his investigation and presumably the uh, criminal probe that's that's being conducted by the uh, U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Virginia is still underway as well. So there's still a lot of swords hanging over uh, over Skipper Dan and it'd be in his best interest to be on his yacht someplace else and, and be out of the picture. So while it, he may do things to complicate it, ultimately, I think he's going to be out as owner. When it comes to why exactly Dan Snyder is selling the commanders, do you think that that why is just all about these swords or is there more going on here? Because as you know, I mean, this remains an incredible 180, him going from being said to never selling the team to him selling the team. I I don't know. I mean, I don't see how the issues facing him haven't taken a toll on his family. I mean, I don't see where the joy is. Well, I don't know if, if, if Dan Snyder ever gets any joy, period, one way or the other. But to be such a vilified person, I think, you know what, and, and, and there's people have speculated this too, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think when Tanya Snyder was put on the big screen at Ghost Town Field, when they were having their, their breast cancer awareness event, and her being a breast cancer survivor, and she, her picture was put on the screen, and she was booed by the fans there. I think that had to have a huge impact yeah. on the family. It had to. Yeah, that certainly has been a prevailing theory. What do you think about the Sean Payton reveal? Denver Broncos head coach Sean Payton this past Friday morning revealing that potential commander's ownership groups contacted him about possibly becoming the team's head coach. He said this to Adam Shine on Mad Dog Sports Radio on Sirius XM. I know that you think that Ron Rivera should be done as commander's head coach, but how about potential ownership groups having contacted Sean Payton? Well, I mean, I think that's smart. If I'm going to be a, a, a prospective owner for this team, I'm lining up my coach as much as I am. I'm, I'm making an offer to Sean Payton if he wants to be my coach. You know, one of the biggest mistakes Ted Leones has made when he bought the Wizards. And I understand he was financially strapped by a bad deal from A. Poland when it came to uh, the arena at the time. But, you know, he didn't recognize that for decades this franchise, you know, had been, you know, the fans had been walking in the desert, like I like to say, you know, aimlessly. 
absolutely. And that he needed to, right from the beginning, get-go, right from the start, give them a signal that it was not going to be business as usual. And I think the new owner for this football team needs to do that. They need to, to in order to to shake up, you know, this 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 dwindling fan base. Uh, they're going to need to basically have a huge impact right from the get go, no matter what the cost. You know, I mean, it's penny wise and pound foolish if you think spending a lot of money as soon as you buy this team is is something you can't do. Because you just can't, you can't slow roll the return to success of this organization and and the idea that this franchise would operate as a normal team. You've got to move quickly. So that doesn't surprise me. As far as Sean Payton blurting it out, he's been a media guy for what, a year now? No, he's in media mode. So of course, if he's he's going to blurt out information, he's not thinking probably like a football coach and that fraternity thinking, well, you know, there's a guy who has that job, so maybe I shouldn't say that. You know, he's a media guy now. But that, but this is still another reason for Washington fans to feel good that this move is probably this sale is probably moving towards the right direction because there are prospective buyers interviewing prospective coaches. We're talking with Tom Lavero, columnist for the Washington Times. The presumption has been that the timeline of the sale of the Commanders is such that the timeline disallows firing Ron Rivera this offseason. Could it be that the new ownership group will fire Ron this offseason, even if that means doing so in late March or April? If I'm if I'm the owner and I can fire him before the NFL draft. Absolutely. Wow. I am absolutely doing it. Like I said, having Ron Rivera as your coach next year is not hitting the ground running, you know, and that's, this is what you need to do. However difficult it will make doing business. The perception is that Ron Rivera with Ron Rivera, it'd be doing business badly and you don't want to do that. So I think right up until the draft, that I think it's it's fair game to uh, to fire the general manager. Let's remember, Snyder did it after the draft. <laughs> you know, Snyder did it before the season started yeah. when he fired Charlie Casserly. Yeah, and came down on the side of North Turner. Not that he's a role model, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that a new owner has to has to make a big mark quick because his fan base is so damaged. And there's so much work to be done. And I think that's maybe what these prospective owners are are realizing for themselves in that they're not actually buying the Washington Redskins. They're buying a damaged football franchise that has the potential to be great, something in the nation's capital to be proud of. But uh, it's not that now. Well, moving on to another Washington, D.C. team with ownership issues, the Nationals. Uh, We did have the news on Monday morning of the passing of Ted Lerner at 97. What is the legacy of Ted Lerner as owner of the Nats? Like most people, it's a complicated legacy. There's a lot to be proud of. This is the complication. You know, huge charitable contributions, you know, a great philanthropist, donated enormous amounts of money to organizations and and charities around the district, helped build a, a baseball team that would win a World Series, 
but it's also a reputation where uh, the learners, to be kind, have a reputation for being difficult to do business with. Okay, the learners, even though they have a World Series championship inside the the game of baseball, it's in spite of their ownership, not because of their ownership. You can't deny the accomplishments. Uh, and when a man dies, this is the time to really acknowledge the accomplishments and sort of gloss over the imperfections, if you will. With the Nationals' ownership situation, the Lerner family sale of the Nats certainly appears to be going nowhere, uh, thanks to the never-ending Masson dispute. Further complicating all of that is the Orioles' ownership situation, uh, which includes an intra-family feud for the Angelos family, although uh, the lawsuits in that feud were recently dropped. You wrote about all of this in a column for the Washington Times last week. Do you believe that the Nats won't be sold until the Orioles are sold? Yeah. I mean, I think that's the case. Everyone agrees that the Masson deal is, is complicating the sale of the Nationals. Well, Masson are the Orioles. They're the same thing. Okay. I mean, technically, I mean, you know, corporate-wise, they're two separate entities. But, you know, I mean, it's John Angelos. John Angelos is the caretaker of both. I refuse to say he's the owner because he's not an owner. He's a caretaker for both the franchise and for Masson. In order for somebody to buy the Nationals, they're going to have to make the learners right on the money the learners feel they've lost on the Masson deal. Now, March 14th, there's a big court hearing coming up as to whether or not the Orioles will have to indeed pay the money they owe the Nationals for a five-year period from 2012 to 2017. Okay, let's say that goes in the Nationals' favor. You still have the five-year period that follow that from 2017 to 2022. That starts all over again starting to litigate and negotiate that. And that, while while the other figure may be over $100 million, and this figure may not be as much because I don't think the uh, regional sports network business in these in the last five years is the same as it was the previous five years, it's still going to be $50, $60, 70000000 million at least. So you, you could litigate this whole thing all over again in a whole separate debate about who's owed what for the next five years. The Angelos family has shown that they'd rather pay lawyers than pay the learners a dime. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so true. Uh, so if you're buying the Nationals, you mean to make the learners whole as to what they feel that they're owed from Masson. And then you need to figure out a way to get out of the Masson deal with the Orioles, which means you're going to have to pay the Orioles off a certain amount of money to let you out of this Masson deal. Because you don't want to buy this team and have your TV rights held hostage by your neighbor uh, up, up north. So all that is, is getting in the way. When the Orioles are sold and when Peter Angelos moves on, they will be sold. It's in, it, it's in his. They're not moving to Nashville like people think. People are insane. Okay, Baseball has not let an owner move a team since the Senators in 1971. The Expos were owned by Major League Baseball. They they decided to move to Washington. Of all the owners, they're not going to let John Angelos move a sports franchise. So that's not happening. They're not moving to Nashville. Okay, 
It's in Peter Angelos' will that when he passes on, the team will be sold. I have that from very good sources that I trust. So that will happen. I mean, you know, I'm not getting morbid enough to root for somebody to pass on. But uh, Peter Angelos is 93 and been incapacitated for quite some time. I don't think the Nats get sold until the Orioles get sold because I think baseball will dictate who winds up owning the Orioles. And whoever does that will have to agree to basically go along with whatever baseball wants to clear up this massive deal once and for all. Great intel there from Tom Lavero. It is amazing, man. This time that we're in the midst of ownership uncertainty for the commanders, ownership uncertainty for the Nationals, and ownership uncertainty for the Orioles all at once. Uh, You know boxing and MMA. If we did a tale of the tape, commanders ownership situation, Nats ownership situation, Orioles ownership situation. I'm not sure which one is the most screwed up, but that all three of these situations are going on at the same time really is something. It really is. I mean, it really is amazing. And and here's the thing. The one thing I I think think the commanders may be the simplest yet the most screwed up because – I mean, what's complicating the sale for the learners is something that's kind of out of their control at this point. I mean, what might complicate the sale for the for the commanders is Skipper Dan himself. So uh, that's a that's a little bit different. But uh, I mean, the Masson deal is is just I just don't see the Nationals getting sold as long as that's a roadblock. And I think it's always going to be a roadblock as long as the Angelos family is involved. Yeah, I think that you're totally right on that. Tom Lavero, great to catch up, Tommy. Uh, thanks a lot and all the best. Always a pleasure, Al. I, I'm glad to come on. Well, our Wizards late night on Monday night began a stretch of three games in four days to conclude the team's pre-All-Star break portion of the season, and the result was not good. Uh, the Wizards fell to 26-30 and with a 135-126 loss at the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Wizards blew a 15-point second quarter lead and actually ended up trailing For the entire second half, the Wizards early in the second quarter led by 15 points at 44-29. The Wizards then allowed the Warriors to go on a 77-42 run for a 20-point lead late in the third quarter at 106-86. Yeah, the Wizards went from being up by 15 at 44-29 to trailing by 20 at 106-86. 86. The Warriors erupted on the Wizards late night on Monday night. The Wizards did remain without Kyle Kuzma. He did not play for a fourth consecutive game due to a sprint left angle that he suffered in the Wizards' 125-123 loss at the Brooklyn Nets on February 4th. Also, Will Barton did not play for a second consecutive game due to not being with the team. ESPN NBA insider Adrian Wojnarowski this past Thursday evening reported that the Wizards were working on a contract buyout with Barton. Uh, But the Warriors were without Steph Curry and Gary Payton II due to injury. And yet the Wizards blew that 15-point second quarter lead. The Wizards' defense was horrible. They allowed the Warriors to score 135 points, go 20 of 40 on threes, and 32 of 49 on twos, and finish with 
40 assists. The Warriors put on an offensive clinic. You know, the Warriors with this win improved to just 29 and 28, but the Warriors still can be outstanding offensively, and they certainly were that late night on Monday night. The Wizards offensively were good, but just were not good enough. But the Wizards did score 126 points when 12 of 28 on threes and 36 of 52 on twos. Bradley Beal did score at least 32 points for a third time in four games. He played for 34 minutes, 37 seconds as a starter. He went three of eight on threes, 10 of 15 on twos, and four of five on free throws. He finished with 33 points, four assists versus four turnovers and three rebounds. Beal surpassed 15,000 career regular season points, joining Elvin Hayes, the Big E, as the only players to each score at least 15,000 career regular season points for the Bullets slash Wizards. Also with Beal late night on Monday night, uh, he appeared to chip or lose a tooth. Uh, that was not good. Kristaps uh, Porzingis had another good game, 35 minutes, 51 seconds as a starter. He went two or three on threes, 10 of 13 on twos, and eight of eight on free throws. He finished with 34 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. He did commit four turnovers, and Kendrick Nunn had a nice game. He played for exactly 29 minutes off the bench. He went two or three on threes, three or four on twos, and one or two on free throws. He finished with 13 points and six assists versus one turnover. But the Wizards got scorched. Next up for the Wizards, a game on Tuesday night at the Portland Trail Blazers at 10. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday's show, episode 508, will include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also, I'll talk Capitals, Wizards, and Georgetown basketball. The Caps are home to the Carolina Hurricanes Tuesday night at 7. The Wiz are at the Portland Trail Blazers Tuesday night at 10. And the Hoyas are at Seton Hall Tuesday evening at 6. By the way, the latest Associated Press Top 25 poll came out on Monday. Virginia up one spot to number 7. Maryland is among others receiving votes. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. I have not written about this organization as a serious, legitimate business and football team probably since the Mike Shanahan era.